Wrestling fans, promoters, wrestlers, and anyone who enjoys pro wrestling now have something new to be excited about. The Wrestling Fans International Association, the WFIA, is back. WFIA is an association that exists to promote, grow, and support professional wrestling throughout the world. Membership is free. Your membership includes a free digital bi-monthly publication of the Wrestling Fan News newsletter, association updates, voting privileges, and much more. Please go to thewfia.org, that's T-H-E-W-F-I-A.org, and become a member today. Welcome, everybody, to PWZ on WON Sports. Of course, this is Rick Del Santo. I've got a very special guest today. Actually, his debut on WON Sports, but he's been here before on the podcast version. A regular, so to speak. He's replacing Harry this week. The Guardian of Chaos, Big Daddy. What's going on, my friend? Well, it's great to be back here, Professor, on the PWZ and making my debut on WON Sports. I'm a big fan. And let's get it straight. There's no replacing Harry. So uh, I'm here as a fill-in, a substitute, uh, hopefully a regular. And again, I, I greatly appreciate being here for my debut on uh, WON Sports. I think it's been quite quite a bit, and I'm very happy to have you back. I know it's been it's hard for our schedules to um, arrange arrange things as we're both so 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 busy well there's nothing like the pwz podcast and what you have done uh professor rick if you will and and growing by leaps and bounds your interviews with the with the talent on your channel are unbelievable and now hooking up with won and all the different you know i'm hoping you can review that for my fans as well as your fans about what you have coming up with uh, historic classical shows uh, the Savoldi's, uh, so on and so forth. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it and excited. I'm glad you brought the Savoldi's up because they've been a very big part of this show and um, my show uh, as of late, since the beginning of the year. I've, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, they have the Ultimate Classic Wrestling Network on their uh, Roku and Fire Stick, and you can go $6.99 a month, I believe. Uh, I don't know. I just... You know, um, but price. a lot of our <laughs> no, but they own thousands and thousands of hours of footage. A lot of the stuff that say Vince and company do not own, they have. They have a lot of that rare world class USWA, GWF. Uh, uh, they, of course, their own ICW, IWCCW. And you're going to see legends like Ric Flair, Bruiser Brody, uh, Steamboat, uh, Macho Man. Hogan, Gene Okerlund, it's 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 a, it's an amazing amazing channel, and you know, it's not going to be a lot of that normal stuff you see. But a lot of our older interviews uh, are up there. One of my favorite interviews uh, just landed on there. It's from about a year or so ago from a very good friend of both of ours, the legend Mario Mancini. Oh, Mario Mancini in the WWF from '84 to '92. Uh, inducted into the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2014 and current owner 
of one of the best independents in the greater New England tri-state northeast area, and that would be Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling, along with head trainer. Uh, I don't have to get into his accolades, but power and glory, pretty wonderful for horsemen, young stallions, and that would be pretty Paul Roma, plus not to mention the other co-trainer, second-generation grappler, trained in his basement by his mother and father, who were pro wrestlers, and cousin to Roberto Soto, and that would be one Mr. Paul Perez, who was just inducted into the class of 2023 New England Pro Wrestling Wall of Fame. Well, speaking of Roberto Soto, you're going to find a, a good handful of footage up on the Savoldi Network, the Ultimate Classic Wrestling Network, because he wrestled there. He wrestled for World Class. That's where I was familiar with Roberto Soto. I, I watched him in uh, World Class as a youngster, so and I, and I was always quite impressed. Him against Manuel Villalobos was the first time I ever saw him, if you remember either of those names. Uh, absolutely. Now, listen, uh, Professor, I just turned the big 6-0 uh, you were there for the Bonanza extravaganza. So uh, I am the over 50 demo god, the old man brand, if you will. And of course, I remember the Savoldis and ICCW back when they were on Sports Channel years ago. Yeah. Uh, it really yeah. was unbelievable, including seeing my good friend who was the uh, Sports Channel TV champion, the Condor, a.k.a. Mark Thomas, who was also in the WWF. Yes, I remember Mark from Ansonia, Connecticut. He was billed as Mark Thomas. He wrestled in, uh, he made some WWF appearances in the, uh, I believe, in the early, early 90s. He, he he certainly did. And another star from Ansonia, who's a current star in AEW, speaking of the Valley, and that would be one AR Fox. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how much talent we have from our area that we're all over the place, isn't it? Not. Once you it's look true. back and realize it, yeah. Connecticut for years and years was a stronghold of the WWF. One of the great territories, the legendary New Haven Coliseum. WWF used to come to all the high schools, of course, the Hartford Civic Center, and now the Bridgeport Arena, and, and of course, the Mohegan Sun Arena. So the history in New England, especially here in the Constitution State, in the shadows of Titan Towers, really is unbelievable grapplers. Uh, that's where I first met back in 1983, the Tonga kid and the wild Samoans and became very close friends who were instrumental in my career, the Samoan dynasty from Rikishi to Yokozuna to Umaga to Afa and all the way back to the Tonga kid when I was bouncing at the local clubs and Daniels and Montego Bay. So talk about history. A lot of the grapplers talent lived here in Connecticut. I remember Montego Bay. I was a little younger. But I, I remember, I remember hearing the radio ads on uh, WPLR as a kid, you know, all the time. Um, at the good old the, days, professor. Of course, you've been on this podcast many, many times. But however, this is your WON Sports uh, debut, and this is a whole new platform for us, and it's a separate podcast, of course. Why don't you give people a little bit of your background in the professional wrestling industry? Well. Uh, I'll say that to say this because I tell it like it is. And I know we're not here to talk about my career, but the professor and fans out there of WON who don't know me, I've been in the business as an active pro wrestling manager for over three decades. I originally, like I said, came across a lot of the talent in the, the early 80s when I was going to World Gym in Hamden, Connecticut. I uh, was able to meet a lot of the guys, especially the Tonga kid. 
And then I went to briefly to the Quest training facility in Orange under tough Tony Altamari. And Mario Mancini was there, Dave Barbie, Seth Cohen. Uh, the list goes on and on. Mark Thomas, Paul Roma eventually. And, and I trained briefly there, but with injuries that I had, I attempted it. They beat my ass from coast to coast and pillar to post. And I didn't make it as a pro wrestler to begin with. I regrouped myself. I went into the Department of Corrections and went into my career as being a correction officer for over 25 years behind the walls. In the late 80s, still having that dream, I traveled with the well, NWA. You could say it was WCW, and that was courtesy of my buddy Lenny and Rikishi and Big Sam, Samu, who was the SSTs at the time. And got to meet a lot of the guys, everyone from the Road Warriors to Butch Reed, Ron Simmons, Freebird, Michael Hayes. We traveled together. I learned the business. I recouped. Knew I couldn't make it as a full-time grappler, as, as a big guy, because of past back injuries. So I that was a slap in the face, Professor. Fans out there on WON. But I never gave up on my dream. And that's the point here of never giving up. In 1991... I made my debut as a pro wrestling manager in the mold of Bobby the Brain Heenan, Captain Lou Albano, Freddie Blassie. And I took, and I don't know if I can cuss, but I'm going to say it anyway. The difference between myself and pro wrestling managers is not only was I good on the mic to put my guys over and grateful that they allowed me to work with them because that's what it's all about. I took the fucking bumps as well. And that's not what a lot of people do in this business. They want to sit here behind a mic. They want to talk about pro wrestling. They want to say they're a manager and this and that. Unless you're someone like Jim Cornette, Jimmy Hart, Captain Lou, Bobby Heenan. There's very few. I'll even throw in Joel Gertner. There's very few that are managers who put their boys over, do the promos around ringside, and then get in the ring and take the bumps. I've taken them all. From Yokozuna to Umaga to Rikishi uh, to King Kong Bundy, primetime Brian Lee. The list goes on and on. The Bushwhackers. I've been in the ring with over 30 WWE Hall of Famers. Jake the Snake Roberts, Jim the Anvil Nightheart. It's a who's who in professional wrestling. And I'm very proud to have been in with the legends, the heroes, the young lions, the veterans, the rookies in my career. And I'm still active today, not taking the bumps. Still active today doing color commentary and helping out at my home company in Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling. So, you know, it's a long story to cover my career, Professor, but I greatly appreciate you acknowledging it and bringing it up so I could tell it to uh, the fans here at WON Sports. I'm very appreciative, very humbled and grateful for everyone that allowed me to work with them. And as you know, I was also inducted into the class of 2019 New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. And then in 2020, on a smaller version, uh, the Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. So truly grateful and honored. Never signed a contract, uh, Professor, but I worked with all the stars and legends. And again, truly grateful to be here. I'm telling everybody that's listening, if you want to hear some really great stories, this guy's got a ton of great stories. There's a whole interview that we did about, now we're going on four years of the history of this show you can go back to the early days and look at it online. This guy's got some really good stories. So I urge everybody to go check that out. And eventually we're going to, you know, we shifted every time you appeared to talking about the industry today, but, or, or, you know, over the last few years, but not so much your career. 
So one of these days we're going to have to sit down and do an actual second part of that interview because I know you got a shit ton more stories. Well, I have a lot of things to talk about, Professor, and I would greatly appreciate that. But we're here to talk about the IWC. What's going on current day? There's plenty of time for the Guardian of Chaos because uh, you know that I tell it like it is. Well, we've mentioned November 18th quite a few times so far. It's going to be a very, very important date. That's this coming Saturday. Why don't we get into a little bit of a November 18th? So November. Uh, there's a lot going on. We've um, You're going to be doing something, I believe. Uh, there's a gigantic AEW pay-per-view, and I'll be working on another level down the road slightly in Springfield, Massachusetts. So we're all uh, we're all going to be pointed in different directions on that evening because there's a lot of professional wrestling. The, every weekend is packed with professional wrestling. Too many shows to keep up on. I was just sitting here watching Crown Jewel before we got on air because I couldn't sit down and watch it. Uh, I was so busy. This was probably my busiest weekend as a, uh, a professional wrestling announcer as well. I was uh, booked on two shows and had a lot of driving to do. So that was uh, that, that was fun. You've made, your, you've made your mark. No no pun intended. You've made your mark here in the business. And speaking of different level, uh, by hooking up with the Sabaldi's WON Sports and what you've done personally for PWZ, you are definitely becoming on a different level. So I'll say that to say this. Coming up next weekend, as you said, November 18th, Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling presents WrestleMania, I believe it is. I'm not sure if that's the name because that's a great mark. Oh, hang on, I got the flyer here somewhere. Yeah. Mania in Paradise. Let me not that's get it. any copyrights or infringements. It's Mania in Paradise, and it's L Ref's last stand the legendary referee here in the greater New England tri-state Northeast area, a personal friend of yours and, and mine, an unbelievable guy. And did you ever see the size of the arms on L ref? And of yeah, course he, he could have gotten in the ring himself, literally, but uh, as a competitor, but that dude, he was a big dude. He just ended up becoming a referee and one of the best referees out of the Northeastern United States period. And that it, that is called Mania in Paradise. It's L Ref's final count. Now you know he also has a relative that is a legendary lucha libre referee that comes out only once in a while. So it's in L Ref's lineage, his heritage, not only refereeing but professional baseball as well. Now who's his legendary uh, uh, cousin or uncle? That's I believe it's his father is a senior ref. That's right. Senior ref. Yeah. Yeah. He, I had the opportunity, uh, professor, to work with senior ref a couple of times because he's only around once in a while. Another unbelievable referee. And then, of course, L. Ref himself being part of the Zebras of Justice, that legendary referee group uh, from this area. It's something to behold. It's going to be at the Greater New Haven JCC. Uh, it's an unbelievable venue, a great building. Uh, Mancini and Roma always put on a great show, especially in the bigger venues. So, fans, next weekend, November 18th, Mania in Paradise, L Ref's last count, last stand. You're not going to want to miss this one. It's going to be jam-packed with all the champions from Paradise Alley, all the stars, all the young lions. You're not going to want to miss it. Come on down to the Greater New Haven JCC in Woodbridge, Connecticut for Mania in Paradise. I'm sorry. 
this is crazy. I keep my phone keeps going off and uh, talking about speaking with wrestling legends. It's Mr. Tom Burke texting me. Uh, this is about today. <laughs> Legendary wrestling historian. So, <laughs> excuse me. Tom Burke's an incredible guy. I, I had a Absolutely. chance to hang out with him not only at 2019 on my induction, but this past summer with you as well, uh, Tom Burke, yes. to be able to hang out at the Fan Fest in New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. A true gentleman, pure class, an unbelievable historian. And I yeah. haven't been on his museum, but I know that you have. Oh, my God. It was one of the greatest things. I think uh, one of these days we should probably go up there together. And we I walked in there and my mouth just dropped at the... You know, it's just this room in his house called the Shrine. And if you love like really early professional wrestling's turn of the century, professional wrestling uh, uh, stuff from the early 1900s, I mean, you're going to be in awe. Literally, there's just so many great pieces and posters. And uh, there's a few championship belts that are just so odd and pictures just all over the wall that are just amazing, to be honest with you. As someone uh, of a historian yourself, what stood out to you at Tom Burke's place? You know, he's a Springfield, Massachusetts resident. Okay. So a lot of, there's some stuff there. I've purchased quite a few uh, items from him over the years, usually uh, Southern territory stuff, which is, tends to be um, Memphis and stuff like that. And Texas tends to be one of my specialties, really. It's pretty odd from growing up in the Northeast, but he had, um, uh, he had him being a Springfield, Massachusetts resident. That was one of my first areas that I actually witnessed professional wrestling early on. And he's got some uh, event posters from the Springfield Civic Center that were hanging up. And one of them was a show that I went to, I believe, 1988, 1989. So that, I mean, so that that's still a little bit more modern for, for something, but... I guess not necessarily, but I was kind of uh, amazed at that right there. Yeah, uh, Tom Burke, again, an amazing guy. Uh, just to be able to sit down and conversate with him and be able to pick his brain is like yeah. being at, at a place of higher education. And uh, Springfield Civic Center has been around for a long time, another historic venue. People talk yep. about the Boston Garden, but that venue in Springfield has also been around for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, like I said, the first, it, it was one of the first shows that I ever went to. And I think I, I could tell you I had to be headlined by Tully and Arn against Sean and Marty. If I remember, say so my first, yeah, I, I ended up going to shows later on, probably like four or five years after I discovered professional wrestling. So speaking, uh, speaking of that, if you want to do a little bit of history, uh, professor, yeah, I believe yeah. if I'm not mistaken, my very first live event was somewhere in 1971, 72 oh, wow. at the old New Haven Coliseum. Is that one, of my, one of my that I think after my first show that I went to at the New Haven Coliseum, I went to Springfield, Mass, and I went to every single New Haven Coliseum show after that for decades. Literally, it was a, so. it was a great venue. Uh, I believe one of the first cards I saw had Stan the Man Stasiak, Tor Kamada. Baron Mikel Sucluna, obviously the late great living legend Bruno San Martino. Uh, I'll never forget it. And then, you know, going there many times and many years after that, and even being able to see some of my friends uh, like Mario and Roma and Perez be able to perform there was, you know, that's priceless in itself. And that's, you know, being in the locker rooms and being able to talk to the guys and 
even being called in there and recognized, even though I was not in the WWE, that right there to me, that I never signed a contract is great, but the road stories, the people I've been in locker rooms with, the conversations I've had, the people that have been so great to me, that right there is worth more than any contract or major television appearance I could have ever made in my life. Truly humbled for all those experiences. I had a conversation earlier today where it seems like there's, uh, you know, a lot of times that, and we were talking about New England Fan Fest coming up in February, I believe it's February 17th. February and, 17th. Yep. And I'm going to be a part of it again this year. Uh, the House of Pain are going to be driving up with me. They'll be the pan, uh, appearing. So my thing they're with... They're uh, fools. <laughs> they, uh, um, I forgot what direction I was going in. Jeez. Um that's what I do, Professor. I make yeah. people go in directions. No, 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 no. This is definitely not your fault. It was um it's there's there's an amazing lineup of people that are gonna be there. Teddy Long was just announced, uh Rikishi was announced, um uh Lillian Garcia was announced, uh Trish Stratus was announced, Ron Simmons is one of the headliners as well. Yeah, this is I mean, so far uh, this is going to be an amazing show. But as I was saying, now, as now I do, my, um, my brain's back on track as my point to this story is a lot of times, a lot of younger gentlemen or talent or or guys that have been in the business for about 20, 30 years, they still go there, just try to get their exposure, or maybe independent promoters. It seems like a lot of people sometimes have an issue with this because people try or, you know, everybody wants to be famous is what the, the line that somebody fed me. I'm like, I don't do this for fame. I do this for the love of the game. And just like so the same, and it's, I'm not, I know I'm, I, I have a full-time job. Okay. I have several full-time jobs. I have a family, I have a house. I know that's, that's where, that's where that money comes from. I do this for the enjoyment, but there's also people on there that are promoters for smaller independent promotions. And they just try to get exposure for the, uh, for their, for their game, for their thing, going to the New England area, um, you know, from New England, and I feel like that is something uh, that's just tremendous that these guys, you can't necessarily judge these guys, these independent promoters or independent wrestlers saying that they, everybody wants to be famous, right? Some like guys just tried to do this for the love of the game. And now I met this gentleman that this person was speaking of and at the last fan fest and i ended up having a fantastic conversation with him throughout the entire day just discovered man this guy just loves professional wrestling he had a lot of really great old merchandise for sale as well as just a handful of flyers trying to promote his shows so you can't judge professional wrestling basically just trying to say everybody's trying to be famous because it's impossible it's impossible for anybody just like in rock and roll just like in comic or art, it's impossible. It's damn near impossible to become famous. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, that's that's okay, Professor. This is your show. This is what I find most interesting about the conventions and fan fests. And you're right. Everybody's trying to be famous, but not everybody will be famous. If you're in it for that, you're in it for the wrong reason. Like you just said, and why I still have my own podcast, Chaos Corner, my own YouTube channel at Guardian of Chaos on YouTube, because I don't care if it's one person watching, 5,000 people watching, or 5 million people watching. I don't care if I have one subscriber, 1,000 subscribers, or 150,000 subscribers. I do it 
like you, professor. And I was someone that was in the business, still in the mm -hmm. industry. I do it for love and passion because that's what motivates me. And for my much needed distraction in this insane world of 2023, I will do this probably till the day I die. But back to my original point, because my mind's like a lazy Susan, it'll come back around. Conventions and fan fests are great for independent talents, vendors, people trying to sell their product. It's not wrong for these independent, smaller promotions to go up there and rent a table or a vendor to get a table. Or if you have a podcast, you're in and around the industry. You're going to mix and mingle with legends and current stars. It's all about contacts in this business. Some of the biggest work I did and some of the biggest stars I was able to work with who allowed to get me to work with them was not because they saw me in the ring or on the mic and my skills and I took the bumps and they knew I was around for a long time is because I was with them in a social setting, just like a fan fest or a convention. They said, wow, you know, the guardian of chaos, this guy's a nice guy. He's a good guy. And if you have talent to go with it, they give you that opportunity to work with them. So to me, if you're an independent promotion out there or someone who's in this business trying to sell a product, no matter what it is, rent a table, become a vendor. And as long as you're not too pushy and infringe on people, it's literally priceless the experience that people can get going to these conventions and fan fests and exposure for yourself and whatever it is that you're trying to do that's one of the things you you know i uh i guess i've been lucky i've been friends with yourself and and you know mr mancini and stuff like that and you guys all gave me my first shot and and, and nick and in uh certain promotions and i'm very thankful and now I've kind of progressed and working with several four or five different promotions. And of course this product here, and there's always more coming because I'm always constantly working. And it's all because for that love, I know I'm not making anything off of it and I'll probably do this for many, many years. It's uh, it keeps me distracted from this crazy, crazy world. As you said, I come home, I start working on it automatically from work. I spend some time with my son. I bring him to shows as a nice young eight year old gentleman he is enjoying it, you know. I brought him to a show I worked this past weekend, a Tetsu Pro. He got to mingle with other kids as, as I was sitting behind the booth. And he ended up having that he became friendly, very friendly with the promoter's son. And they ended up just running around playing, watching the show the entire time. So there's also like a connection with the young kids bringing your kids to these things as well. It's it's priceless, Professor. I brought my youngest daughter to her first show, the WWF, in 1994 to New Haven Coliseum. She is now 33 years old, going on 34. A mother, married, five-year-old granddaughter, uh, my granddaughter, who I just recently, yeah. with the last six months, at the same age when she was four years old, brought my granddaughter to her first wrestling show at PAPW. So you're so right about the history, the lineage of passing it down to your family and keeping it close. And you have a beautiful, wonderful wife, a beautiful family. I, I've been honored to meet them and, and hang out with your children. Great family. And what you're doing is the same thing that I, I'm trying to do with my granddaughter as well. So I give you kudos and congratulations on that, Professor, for spreading it through the family. It, it's a family affair. It's a family affair. It's a family affair. Wait, too early? <laughs> I want to make sure that my kids have something to look at, you know what I mean? And and, and uh have something to remember by that I didn't I didn't just sit on the couch, you know what I mean? Playing Legos or whatever. I actually did a little something with my life, you know. 
So, well, again, that's it. Your motivation and your passion, kind of like me being wrapped up in chains, it comes across to the viewers, Professor. What you do and and your passion for the industry does come across, and and it makes it relatable, and that's why you've been at this level so successful. That's just my opinion. Thank you very much, and it's just progressing. So, everybody that's watching, listening. Continue to watch and listen because there's going to be more and more announcements coming up. I promise you. By the way, this past Wednesday, my interview with legendary referee James Beard dropped. I want everybody to go check it out. Global, wow. USWA, world class, uh, uh, everywhere. Japan, he wrestled, or not wrestled, but refereed in war, wrestling, and romance. Oh, what do you got, though? Uh, <laughs> SWS, which is, uh, I forgot what that's called. But yes, please go check it out. You see, this guy always has me laughing. So um, let's see. So we, we should just. Wrestling and entertainment. And that's what you get with the GOC on WON and PWZ. Uh, professional wrestling. Yeah, man. It's always interesting, right? You got to keep it interesting. You, gotta, you know, if you're not in it for the love and to have a good time and spread the positivity, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, you know, and that's why, again, your product has been successful. And I think you'll be around for a long time, Professor. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I just want to mention one show for this coming weekend. What the hell was that? Uh, November 18th, the Dunbar uh, Community Center, Springfield, Massachusetts. I will be a part of this uh, event doing commentary, uh, maybe a little bit of ring announcing, which I've never done before. So this uh, standing in front of a large group of people it's kind of nerve-wracking for me however go check this out you can go check out new age wrestling on um instagram on facebook it's gonna be a wild time i made my debut over there in uh june and i have to say they have a very good product especially that old school wrestling fan that likes the slow burn that likes the uh less is more you're gonna love it and the crowds are wild and hot each and every time and i get to work with guys like well, not this particular show, but I get to work with guys like my good buddy, Matt DeCourt and the House Boy. of Pain and several uh, others. Uh, Matt DeCourt is really an incredible ring announcer. You're absolutely. And a tremendous human being on top of it. Absolutely. So. Uh, Rick, absolutely. just quickly, so, you're talking about what you're doing uh, this coming weekend. And, and we briefly talked about... Uh, uh, you know, next weekend, Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling and, and uh, Mania in Paradise. That's what impresses me the most. And maybe we can throw out a couple of names and promotions and organizations. Here in the greater New England tri-state northeast area, a hotbed for over three decades, four decades. Let's look at the companies right now that I can quickly rattle off without even thinking. And then I'll, I'll hand it over to you because you might even know more. We have Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling. We have Test of Strength. We have Tough and Talented. We have Blood, Sweat, and Tears. We have PVP. We have New World Wrestling Extreme. We have Beyond Wrestling. We have Northeast Wrestling. Uh, we have Blitzkrieg Wrestling. Uh, I mean, we have Tetsu Wrestling. Uh, we have so many different, and I know I'm missing a whole bunch, and that's why I'm going to hand it over to you. I mean, how many different organizations are running in this state alone? It really is impressive. Well, don't forget, there's also a place that I am work very, very close with. I am a very big part of Coliseum Pro Wrestling as well. And we have a show coming up December 2nd. No matches have been announced yet, but uh, main event may be announced very shortly. 
Uh, and it's something that provided some things get worked out and the, uh, you know, it uh, clicks, the details get worked out there. I think the fans are really going to enjoy it. I promise. I promise. I promise. Provided everything is kosher, you know, and works out. It's going to be uh, an, ama- an amazing show. Uh, Professor, I apologize for, for stepping on you there. I'm missing a few You're other good. ones. I know there's Bay State uh, wrestling as well. Uh, yep. You know, a few other organizations around here that deserve recognition. Uh, House of Glory uh, in the city. I mean, it's just so many different groups, and I, I'm not sure who I missed, but the product that goes on in this area and the talent that comes out of this area really is impressive. People talk about the South and all the great shows down towards the Carolinas and Florida. They talk about being out in California, even up in Canada, but there is no place like professional wrestling in this greater New England tri-state Northeast area. There just isn't. There really isn't. And maybe you could elaborate on that. You've mentioned a lot of companies that are basically run the Massachusetts, New York, Connecticut loop, but Connecticut as a whole, there's about six, seven independent companies in this in this uh, state that are regular, running every weekend. There's not a weekend that goes by that there's not at least two, three shows running. And I find that amazing because that just adds to our history here and adds to the amazement. And if you remember in the earlier to mid-2000s, there's probably one company running two companies running and it was just impossible to find a lot of independent wrestling outside. It was a very strange time for professional wrestling, especially on the independent local level. You were a very big part of it. I would go to shows and this is how me and you became friendly earlier on. Is, I uh, going back to <laughs> You did definitely. That's how I met. I met the first saw you at Northeast wrestling in that match with Yokozuna, Jake, the snake, Jim Neidhart. I've, uh, I've told that story many times. Why do you have to bring that match up? Yokozuna gave me a clothesline, a 600-pound leg drop, and then Jake the Snake, that son of a bitch, threw the python on me, and Neidhart and Julio Sanchez left me in the ring. Julio Sanchez. Okay, Julio Sanchez. Julio De Niro. Julio Julio De Niro. uh, Prince Ali, uh, Sheik Ali Amin. Uh, Come on, the guy had a couple more gimmicks. I remember that that guy. I... uh, um, so this is some breaking news. United by one, of course, is this uh, this weekend. Uh, I know I'm going a little bit backwards, but Rich Palladino well, I, has been added to the show. I know you don't want to cover it now, but yeah. there's a huge extravaganza bonanza for Team CC and, and juvenile diabetes type one. Uh, Team CC, uh, Caesar Aracelis, the, fa- the Vasquez family, they are unbelievable family. It's an unbelievable event. And I know that you're going to cover that and it's, you're going to be, you're a huge part of it. And at yep. press, I believe it's already happened. So yeah, I know you're yeah. looking forward. You guys are going to cover that show. We are going to do an, ex- uh, 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 an extensive uh, coverage of it this coming week. And there's been Excellent. a little bit um, uh, changes, changes. So, um, but you know, to the, to the last minute to the show. So, and it was a very good change. So, We'll cover it this week. Harry and I will uh, talk about it and, and the results. I no you know. better cause, no no better cause that 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 happens past weekend. Uh, an unbelievable stacked card. Uh, it was uh, you know I wish I would have been there, but I did donate. It's for a great cause. I've been a big part of it for a long time, and I'm looking forward to you and Am Harry. I correct? 
I'm Am sorry. I correct that you're diabetic as well? Am I correct on that? Yes, yes, but but yeah. mine is was due to to lifestyle, my friend. But oh. thankfully, well under control. I'm in the gym. I'm eating right. I'm healthy. So it's just a mere formality that things you can live with if you follow and do things the healthy and right way. So I'm blessed and fortunate to be healthy right now and to be on the right road. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And if I can say to anyone out there, whether it's type one or type two, take care of yourself, take care of your family and friends, stay close because nothing's guaranteed. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. And your health is the most important thing. It just is. Well, geez, thanks. Now I got to get myself on track, but yes, um, my doctor has warned me many times, trust me. So <laughs> you're going to be okay, professor. And, you know, seeing that we were just talking about all the independence, what's going on in the major leagues? Cause I know we have a lot of news and notes, professor. Of course, this, uh, Saturday night coming Saturday night, AEW full gear. This is, is uh, one of the biggest shows. And as of this particular time, I know there's probably going to be mad, uh, excuse me, more added to it uh, as we go along. Uh, there is six matches announced. Okay. Six matches announced. Now, of yeah, course, you I keep up. Uh, yeah. you. I have them listed here. I have you, them listed. You have uh, a little bit more insight as I, I am not always on point because I've been so busy with work as of late. So I'm not always uh, able to tune into every single thing. Unfortunately, I actually watched AEW for the first time last week in three or four months. Okay. Wow. I, yeah. is That's literally Saturday nights. It's usually my son plays football on top of me working so much. Okay. Now he's about to, yeah. Now he's about to enter basketball season, which you know that that's his first love. So it's going to get even busier. And then there's going to be more in weeknight games. So, me and my damn uh, 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 lifestyle wrestling and watching is going to be. I, I sit there half the time watching on my phone while I'm trying to watch the game. Uh, today, obviously, you know, I told you my dad had a surgery. I'm sitting in the waiting room. I watched yesterday's test of strength show while he was uh, in uh, in surgery. So I got to say that test strength put on a tremendous show go over to their youtube you'll see it it's a uh, tremendous my tremendous. old buddy slick wagner brown and bobby yeah. Ocean. on a quick point yeah. and again apologize for stepping on you but you know that's what the goc does one of my biggest moments was with test of strength owner slick wagner brown back in the early 2000s we were being scouted by the wwe i was in a match with Slick Wagner Brown was my newest acquisition. And Slick Wagner Brown went against Jerry the King Lawler with special guest referee Mick Foley. And we both took Mr. Sacco that night and we came up on a short end of the stick. But the video is up on my channel. You can, you can see it on Guardian Chaos YouTube channel. Slick Wagner and myself, Foley threw me out. I came back and, and tried to win it for my man. Underhandedly, I, I get it by clobbering the king from behind, but uh, to no avail as Mick Foley gave us the sock. But again, Slick Wagner Brown, the consummate professional, an unbelievable grappler. If you want to learn about pro wrestling, Slick Wagner Brown and Test of Strength is definitely, and, and with his buddy, my, my friend Bobby Ocean, 
uh, is a great place to go. And, and I can't thank Slick enough because if it wasn't for Slick, we wouldn't have been scouted that night and I wouldn't have had the chance to work with the King and Mick Foley. So uh, just a little tidbit of, of my career to throw in about a test of strength. So Slick is a hell of a guy on top of it, right? A, a great person, an unbelievable yeah. person. Salt yeah. of the earth human being and New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer as well. Trained by the legendary Killer Kowalski. He's a Kowalski guy. Does it get any fucking better than that? I don't think so. All right, let's get into AEW. Let's get into the- <laughs> I apologize for the cussing fans. I, I, I- <laughs> Let's get into uh, some AEW. All right, so. Uh, there's going to be so far announced for the pre-show MJF is going to be taking on the guns, the gun brothers, Austin and Colton. There's going to be one more to be announced. It's going to be for the ROH tag team championship. Obviously, uh, Adam Cole is out. He's been tagging. He's been, I, I, I don't like this. I don't like what they're doing with MJF uh, professor. I just want to give my quick two cents. That was on the top of my list for full gear. Give it to it. And then I'm going to give my opinion as well. What they're doing with the cross between Ring of Honor and AEW just doesn't make sense. You got Ring of Honor champions being on AEW. Uh, It's like an AEW Ring of Honor show. And to take the world heavyweight champion MJF and mix him up in this storyline to save it for when Adam Cole comes back or what they're trying to do with with that long-term booking, to me just doesn't make sense that you can risk MJF getting hurt and being lost and being on a pre-show when he's the main eventer and pops all the ratings, the number one guy in AEW to be tag team champion and ring of honor, a company a notch below to me makes no fiscal sense, no physical sense. And it doesn't go with the storyline. That's just me. So I would love to hear your thoughts. The guns are, are a future tag team champions. Austin and Colton are unbelievable. They've come so far from their earliest days here in AEW. I couldn't stand them when they came in. I thought they were green. I did nothing. But I'm going to tell you, over time, they became one of the best tag teams in that company. Tell me I'm wrong. I agree. No, I agree yeah. with you. I can't I tell you. The MJF Adam Cole thing, it's atrocious. It's atrocious. It's all just stupid buddy comedy skits. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's basically they've kind of mildly, well, pretty blatantly turned MJF a babyface, and I think that he was possibly the greatest heel. But when you, this guy was coming out as a heel, insulting the fans, and everybody was cheering for him. They had no choice but to freaking naturally, I guess, not even necessarily even turn him. He just kind of naturally just went in that direction. I don't think I, I I'm not necessarily a fan of that. I just think it's unnecessary risk and unnecessary exposure for your top guy and your number one guy. Listen, there's there's room in pro wrestling sports entertainment for comedy and levity and 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 I get all that and I enjoy some of the vignettes, but the storyline and where it's going. Adam Cole was a great guy in NXT. Uh, and now he's yes. he's in again and I just don't like what they have to do to try to extend this storyline. They've had a great match. But the way they're going about it and spreading MJF thin, even with the storylines currently, uh, you know, Wardlow wants back at him. Samoa Joe wants him. Jay White wants him. And speaking of that, MJF will be taking on Jay White for the AEW Heavyweight Championship at 
full gear coming up. So that's that's the main event. Give me your thoughts on that as we go through the card. Is that match set in stone or is it? Well, I mean, that's what they're planning on. But is that well, is, set is it supposed to be a? Yeah, because I have here there were a couple week. roadblocks, but I don't okay, see those okay. roadblocks. Uh, working out whether it be and I know we're going backwards whether it be a Daniel Garcia or somebody else uh, or Mark Briscoe I don't see that happening Uh, I I don't see it happening personally but and it didn't happen (laughs) yeah um MJF and Jay White I have I feel like it has potential to be I don't I think since Jay White has come to AEW I don't think he's delivered at all that's just my personal opinion. If you look at his career in New Japan and elsewhere, I think he was very talented. Uh, not to say that he's not. They just really haven't done much. I'm not interested in this Bullet, Go- Bullet Club Gold shit. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too annoyed with a lot of the stuff that AEW puts on. Well, you're, you're not making bad points, Professor. Jay White's an excellent grappler. Has he delivered yet? Perhaps not. He's good on the mic, but his promo seems yes. nowhere. And again, I'm not I'm not bashing Jay White and his promo skills, but when he mm. talks, he repeats himself, and it doesn't come to an ending of the promo like with MJF. And what's really selling Jay White right now, in my opinion, and what's making him a bigger star, he's perhaps being outshined. By rock hard Juice Robinson, who I wasn't sold on to begin with when he was in Impact and so on. But let me tell you something. Now that he's in AEW, he has risen to the top and has shined. I really like uh, Juice Robinson. And I believe he's going to end up being a bigger star than Jay White in AEW. Just my opinion. And you know what, Professor? You know what they say about Juice Robinson? He's rock hard, man. He's rock hard. How would you know that? Well, I, I I saw him on a Blue Chew commercial. I don't know. I'm, okay. I'm just man. <laughs> um, I think that just Robinson. I mean, I when I first saw him in New Japan, I wasn't fully sold either. But now, over time, he's progressed. I feel you know what I mean. It's some of these guys will go over there, and everybody. Well, I guess the IWC, you could say. All right, let's just point out. Everybody always gets on their. Uh, let's see. Uh, trying to put this play they're junk if you will saying guys like jay white saying guys like kenny omega saying guys but i i, I feel like omega jay white they're not, it's two different levels jay white is a superb grappler but i think he's for a very long time he just was not convincing to me there's a lot of people that just seem to not be convincing uh in this modern era Omega, I think, is a tremendous grappler. We can go back a couple of weeks and talk about their match with MJF, which a lot of people now, you know, we were talking about Showtime the other day when we saw each other. I heard from Showtime recently, and we talked about that match. He said, oh, it's match of the year candidate, top five, uh, you know, for the for the year. And it was like, at that point, I hadn't seen it. Like, really? It was a fantastic from. I liked it. But would you recommend it saying it was one of the best matches out of the year? No. Not match of the year. It had potential to be match of the year. It could have been match of the year. Maybe in the top five of the year. First off, Jay White really? can't carry Kenny Omega's jockstrap. That's that's number one. That's Omega. I mean, I think Kenny. 
look at all his comedic stuff and all the ridiculous stuff that Omega did. If you actually watch him as a pure professional wrestler in a match, a straight professional wrestling match, that dude could go. The other stuff is a little ridiculous, insulting to professional wrestling. I get it. Yes, it is. I don't like it either. But I think as a professional wrestler and he gets in there and does an actual professional wrestling match, you he will, no matter what, put on the best match of the night. Uh, Omega's an unbelievable grappler. His promos leave a little bit to be desired. Hence, twinkle toes, McFinger bang with, with, his, with his mannerisms. But there's no denying his ability. And getting right. back to that JF Omega match, it was on a shit card up at the Mohegan Sun in a great venue. But I do believe they worked hard. They worked their asses off. And definitely not match of the year. But it's in the conversation. Uh, you, you know, we could okay. talk about matches, but it's in the conversation, in my opinion. I saw a couple of botches, but that was Omega more than it was MJF. Match of the year, definitely not. I think it's because of Omega's style. It's sometimes hard to deliver specific moves. Maybe his style. He could, you know, he tends to do a little bit... Uh, <clears throat> I guess he works a different style where MJF is more traditional grappler in a way. And, and you know, Omega definitely has that Japanese style to him. Yeah. Uh, no two ways about that. And that's a, that's a valid point by you. MJF, a little more grounded, a little yes. more in that matchup. They had MJF do something that he's never done and never wanted to do, which is going over the top rope. Yeah. So, and then he takes the table spot off the ring apron. And that's what I'm talking about. AEW is a very dangerous company. There's injuries in all pro wrestling, but they've become a very dangerous company with not protecting the wrestlers who are maybe not protecting themselves with unnecessary risk. And we can come up with a hundred examples in AEW. Brian Danielson, who just recently was injured uh, with the broken orbital bone, is now out for the rest of the year. And that's a perfect example. And he just came back just a couple months ago. Right from broken arm, yeah. To now in a match, ball, yeah. And now him and and now Okada wants him to come to Japan for wrestle. Uh, not wrestle. Dream, what the hell is What's that? He, he no, won't he won't be, be able to. Uh, for Wrestle Kingdom, he wants him to come in for Wrestle Kingdom in the beginning, which is a, one of their big events in the beginning of the year. So I don't think that that's even possible. Honestly, I don't. It, it just really sucks because we know Danielson has made it known that he's going to retire sometime in 2024. So now yeah. he's off he's he's off the upcoming card for full gear. He's off Wrestle Dream. He's probably not going to be on Revolution. So you know, we'll have to see what happens with Danielson who was doing some of his best work in AEW. Uh, I consider Danielson to be one of the best workers in the world. I mean, it's just he, that Absolutely. Absolutely is and uh he has been for years and years and years. When when WWE was on a downslope, there was, was a reason to tune into WWE to see his action, no matter who he was working with. There's a big guy that could barely work or or what have you. You know what I mean? Like he was always going to make sure that his match was the best night, match of, of the evening. That and, was, and was there. The connection yeah. fans was there, Rick. I yeah. mean, it nobody connected more with the whole yes movement. So to lose Danielson, you know, Cole is on the shelf. Uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens in, in AEW. And I like to talk about rankings and stuff like that or live attendance because either you enjoy the product or you don't. But when you're booking 
15 and 20,000 seat arenas and you're only selling three and 4,000 tickets. If there's, if that, if they're bringing in, if they're actually bringing in three or four, there's been plenty of buildings are only bringing in just about two small venues, get the smaller venue and you'll get the feel for the crowd. That's just my opinion. Uh, you know, let's look at the rest of the card there, professor. What else do you have? If I could just piggyback off something before we get into that. You're talking about the smaller crowds, smaller buildings, and stuff like that. Look at the ninth, late, mid to late 1980s. As WWF was bigger, bigger buildings. NWA was still Crockett was still doing, you know, fifteen, two to three thousand seat arenas, right? So it made sense and it fit that well, crowd better. Building down there in, in, in Tampa, you know, you could yeah. even look at other territories, the Sportatorium for WCCW. Uh, you know, the smaller arenas that Crockett was running that yeah. only held like, you know, four to 6,000 people. That's it, that's the difference in the day. And I apologize, Professor. No. Uh, the East WWF area, which ran these big monstrosity buildings to the South, which ran these smaller venues. And you can see the difference in the product. I mean, mm. historically, I mean, that's just the way it was. I think it came across better for their television in those smaller arenas. And I think Tony maybe, and not to insult the guy, maybe a little bit, maybe I wouldn't say ignorant, maybe, but maybe he has too much in here that he wants to do, thinking that he's going to be doing these bigger buildings for TV each week. And then come showtime, there's a lot of empty seats. And I'm not saying that I'm not doing the whole IWC, oh, look at all the empty seats thing. This is a lot of this is proven fact. Evidence. And the AEW. Spoons and neck beards and mouth breathers and dweebs and dorks. They want to get offended by it when you're just telling the truth, man. Yes. No kind of shit on the product. If you love professional wrestling, enjoy it for what it is, whether it's the independence or or impact or AEW or, or the WWE. I mean, enjoy it for what it is. Yes. Yes. Just enjoy professional wrestling. That's all. You just because I like one brand and you like another, it's okay. We can all get along. I'm not a fan of a lot of the mainstream stuff that goes on, but guess what? I tune in each week because I got friends that made it that level. So I tune in and say, hey, this guy's going to be on TV this week. I'm tuning in. And guess what? I'm proud of that guy. So I'm sitting there watching it. Absolutely. How could you not be? And you as well. I mean, you know a hell of a lot more people than I do. So, I mean, you know, and you've been around a lot longer. And it's it's just something enjoyable to watch when you're seeing People or people from your area. Look at Carmelo Hayes was in this area, one of the biggest stars in the Northeast independent scene. Right. A lot of these different guys, I was just watching a match a week or so ago, uh, Swerve Strickland and A.R. Fox both worked under the banner of Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling. Willie Mack, Chris Bay, Christian Casanova, a.k.a. Now in the big time in the WWE, Darby Allen, Zack Sabre Jr., Matt Riddle, all this different talent has worked under the banner of Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling and many others. And now look where they are. And I'll even go to legends like Hacksaw Jim Duggan or, or Booker T and even current guys like Bull James Dempsey. All these guys worked under the banner of Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling and, and a lot of other groups around this area. So 
to me, like you said, to see someone that you know, current stars on the rise, Dustin Flash Waller, Kylon King, Brad Baylor. I mean, the list goes on and on of guys, even Lucas Chase, who was in the AEW, worked on the PAPW banner. Megan Bain worked under the Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling banner, who's now over in and, and kingdom or, or star in Japan as a big star. And even Nikki Duke recently, who's now working for wow women of wrestling as Ariella. I mean, it just goes to show you the local connection that you get and then being proud and happy for the people that you've worked with and been associated with that have made it to the big time. Now, I guess uh, I've read something today. You just brought up Megan Bain in that she's made some AEW appearances. Yes, but I has. guess it was confirmed today that she is actually under contract. It was confirmed by Sean Ross Sapp. So she is an official AEW competitor. And she just made a Paradise Alley performance uh, over the summer for the Richard Holiday return event. Yes, yes, she did. And, and again, speaking of stars, there's another guy, former MLW champion, former IWA heavyweight champion, uh, the most marketable man in wrestling, the ear pod god, whatever you, the consumers are buzzing, whatever you want to say about Richard Holiday. There's a guy that has been on the scene now for what, about five years? Roma trained man, trained their very first student. And, and, Teamed up with Hammerstone and MJF for the Dynasty. Fans, if you didn't see the Dynasty in MLW with those three stars, perhaps one of the greatest factions in pro wrestling and talk about entertainment, Holiday, MJF, and Hammerstone were the epitome not that long ago. This is going back probably two years maybe. ago, maybe a little less, a little more than that. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I'd love to see yeah. them. I'd love to see that faction reunite, whether it be an AEW or WWE. Uh, that would be amazing. I think that's very possible that they may happen soon. We'll have to keep an eye. Everybody, never, keep an eye out. I mean, Hammerstone just asked for his release in MLW. That, that I believe was, uh, got it. I believe he got it. Yeah. Okay. I believe that he was. That was just documented. I didn't see the follow up. You know, and Holiday. We're not exactly sure what's going on with Holiday right now. He's traveling. I know he was down at the Performance Center. Yeah. He's traveling the country. He's had some tryouts. Uh, uh, you know, there's only good things on the horizon. I've heard him on Busted Open Radio a handful of times. He was the ISPW heavyweight champion with the one and only Dave LaGreca in his corner. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, absolutely. Swinging backwards now. We're getting back to full gear. Let's take it backwards. Uh, Hangman Page taking on Swerve Strickland, which we just talked about in that local connection. Hangman Page. I don't know, man. I think Swerve is a top competitor. I love this guy. I think he's great. I remember and he was MLW champion. Hangman Page seemed to have lost a lot ever over the last like year or so. Yeah. A lot I, of his I, luster. I, I think Paige has definitely lost some momentum. Uh, obviously, a, a, a good talent. Uh, you know, yes. when he had a chance to learn from veterans and he chose not to listen to those veterans, that was mistake number one and told me a lot about Hang Me and Paige. I don't know him personally. I'm not mm -hmm. here to... But when veterans and heroes and Hall of Famers and legends offer you up opinions or, or come to you with advice and you say, ah, 
you know, I'm good enough. I don't really need any of their opinions. That says a lot about you as a person. And I don't see him having a chance with, with, uh, with Sir Swerve Strickland, who's on the rise, a, a very good talent. What they're doing with him in AEW, no story, has me interested. And, of course, with Nana, I mean, let's do it, Professor. Let, 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 let's do the little Nana, man. So I see Swerve Strickland going over on Hangman, who's definitely lost momentum, to your point. Yeah, I just, it's like he's just kind of floating in purgatory, in a way. You know what I mean? For yeah, lack, of well, a better, lack of a better example. He's there, and this is just speculation, rumor, and innuendo on my part. He's there because he's a talented guy. He can work. He's very he's a, talented. He's a part of the EVP clique. So, yeah. you know, you can get lost in the shuffle with all the drama in AEW, and that's another show for another time. Uh, let's move that's, on. Well, we can compare that to WCW in 1997, 1998 as well, because if you were part of the NWO clique that came over, the whole click, the real legit click. Anybody that came over from WWF, they're pretty much untouchable. No matter what your level was, you got to push. No matter what your level was, and it was kind of you know you could have been a. That's a good comparison, Professor. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, we got Orange Cassidy defending the AEW International Championship against John Moxley. Literally, I don't have much interest in this one. Anything that Moxley's done over the last two years. I've had no interest in. Uh, he's just become very bland uh, uh, in that time period. Well, I'll you say call, that. You can call me an asshole if you want. I, I, <laughs> I'll say that to say this: Orange Cassidy. I didn't like the gimmick. I don't. I don't like the hands in the pocket in the middle of a, a intense match, a championship match. Obviously, Jay loves him. Uh, he's been champion for a long time. He had an mm -hmm. undefeated. The guy's one hell of a worker. I'll give him credit. I didn't like his gimmick to begin with, and I still don't. But you can't deny his ability in the ring. The guy can work his ass off. So I'll give uh, Cassidy that. I just, again, when you're in the middle of an intense battle, a championship match, and you start doing the fake leg kicks and the hands in the pocket, it doesn't work or sell for me. And Moxley, He's definitely changed from the Dean Ambrose gimmick, trying to be something he's not hardcore, a badass, whatever. You know, the BCC, he's still a good grappler, but he's definitely lost a little bit in AEW currently. So with this match, I have some interest in it. We'll see what this happens. If hear Mox come out Mox with I'm Moxley sorry, is a No, Moxley is a guy that five, six years ago, Oh, I out, went out here and said, this dude's going to be the future of the industry, literally, because of his ad attitude, the way he was. He could have been maybe like a, the anti-hero type gimmick. He could have been, um, say, the next Steve Austin or something to that effect. You know what I mean? The the the, the rebellious uh, guy. But it's just something after AEW. It was all right in AEW for the beginning, probably the first year or so. And then there's just, boom, it just becomes so uninteresting to me literally uninteresting great work in aew he really was doing some yeah. good work w but i think he's crossed the line with the with the bamboo to the head and trying to be hardcore and he's got a bleed in every match i mean no disrespect to the guy he's a hell of a worker he's a hard worker he he's strong style now but I just think he's going a little overboard with it. And then to take all those unnecessary risks, and now he's speaking out against concussion protocol. I mean, a little hypocritical for your style of wrestling and what you've done in the business. Just my opinion. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and I think one of the things that he was disparaged with in uh, WWE is that he wanted to, I guess he was supposed to wrestle Brock at Mania and he wanted to bring tax into the ring and have it just be like a death match. And it was refused. And I think that that was one of the things that disappointed him and made him uninterested in staying with the WWE. Well, the fans, the fans love him. The yeah. fans in AEW love Moxley. Uh, to me, is he a top 10 wrestler in the world? Like he's been ranked? Absolutely not. But uh, yeah. that match can go either way, in my opinion. I don't think Cassidy's going to lose the belt. That's just my opinion. I Okay, I'm going to go backwards one more time and say I wasn't convinced on Cassidy until last year when he wrestled uh, Will Ospreay at uh, Forbidden Door. And I got to tell you that that match beginning to end was intense. And I, I, I saw him take bumps and do moves. I've never seen this guy do before. And he worked like he proved that he was a great worker in that match. And so I do recognize that he is a can be. I will just say can be not that he is. He can be a fantastic wrestler. He just chooses not to be. Again, it's it's the gimmick, Professor, in my opinion. Yeah. Speaking of Ray, I don't want I don't want to jump all over the place. He's in the middle right now uh, as the hottest free agent. They're talking about this bullshit with NXT Europe, which would be a total waste. Where, in your opinion, as we bounce all over the place here, since we brought up Osprey, will he sign with AEW? Will he go to the WWE? Hopefully not TNA Impact. That's another story. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Impact very shortly, um, but what he is being offered. A very lucrative deal, I guess, from WWE. Impact is very interested in him as well, but they don't have the money. I mean, I don't think. I mean, actually, back up two steps. They have the money. The mo- the the mother company, um, Anthem, right? The the uh, the head company has the money. But do they want to spend it? They've already proven they don't want to spend money on bringing certain people in they were really seeking uh Wyndham Rotunda at one time when he was in between contracts they would not shill out enough money obviously he ended up going back to WWE I don't get it man I don't like you have to spend money to make money and that's the situation if you want to have if you want to put asses in seats you need to uh bring in and pay fantastic you know pay that money out to these grapplers will osprey i think it's a very good chance that he will go to wwe i don't see why he wouldn't i mean provided that it's one of those things like the kenny omega thing where where he didn't like that they would be change him a little bit i think he's got to see he's got to see what is in his contract what he's going to be able to do will he go to the main roster Immediately, will he spend time in NXT? Because I think that NXT has that style that he can have better matches, I guess, in a way. But, I mean, you could see that he can go up to the main roster and have fantastic matches with guys like Seth Rollins. Uh, there's there's a lot of conjecture on Osprey. Again, to me, pr- perhaps right now the best wrestler in the world. He's at this fantastic. Yeah. And... If he doesn't go to the WWE and, and stays in AEW or New Japan or wherever he goes, 
it'll be must-watch TV. I hope it works out for him. And, and the only, like you said, the only thing you would worry about with the WWE is if they try to change him. Would be my yeah. biggest, concern. which is their their which is their mo. You know, that's their that's what they do. They will change your name. They will change your appearance. They will change your style of professional wrestling. That's what they put but you they through. Did the Keith Lee. Yeah. yeah, perfect example. And He's Keith flopped. Lee was a yeah, and Keith Lee was a tremendous performer. He's not doing much certainly now. well. Yeah, what for full gear? We've got Sting, Darby Allen, and the former Edge, Adam Copeland, taking on. Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne. Ric Flair is in the corner of Sting, Darby, and Adam Copeland. <laughs> it looks like Ric Flair may have booked himself for mm. all this when he said a few weeks back when he showed up, uh, oh, you know, I'm going to be with you for the ride. And it's, it's nice that they, they brought him in as a gift to Tony Key, Tony Khan, to Ric Flair. But I love Flair. Sting, he was right? yeah. the greatest of all time. But, I mean, if he's going to manage for this one match, I get it. Christian Cage is doing the best work of his career. Uh, as a heel, he's unbelievable right now. There's not too many better in AEW right now than Christian Cage. This is a throwaway six-man tag team match for Sting's retirement coming up and leading into Adam Copeland and Christian Cage going, going at it. That's what it's leading up to, in my opinion. I think. Yes, you're 100% correct. But there's another thing. Like, what do you think? Do you think there's a chance he could turn? Flair? Yeah. Well, if they want to keep him, why would you want to invest all that money? I mean, Flair's like, I don't know, rumors have it that he's like 50000 a night or whatever it is. What? Amount of money. I if I do that, I don't I don't have Ric Flair turn on Sting. I bring him in. He manages a couple of matches. I don't keep Ric Flair long term if I'm Tony Khan. But Tony Khan is a billionaire. He likes to play with his little toys and his puzzle pieces. From what I understand, I don't keep Ric Flair in for too long. Just my opinion. Going to have him tour around now with Sting and Darby Allen. For me, it doesn't work, Professor. It'll be a while. I mean, and then he'll just all of a sudden be off TV. You know what I mean? Tony Khan brings these guys in. These uh, dream action figures. He's got his guy. Ric Flair's probably the ultimate, if you will. Uh, uh, besides, like, you know, if you got Hulk Hogan, then he'd probably flipped out. You know, then he'd be he'd probably put Flair back in the in the box and then play with Hogan for a while. So that's just what he that's just what he does. You know, it'll be a while. He'll be on TV for a little while and then disappear. Look how long Jake the Snake has been on and off, on and off TV since the inception of Dynamite, really. Now, now that's a good point, Professor. I will say that AEW in the past has used the legends the correct way to an extent, whether it be Jake the Snake, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, bringing in Eric Bischoff, you know, having Taz there as an announcer. So I do like the way in the past that they have used some of the legends, uh, some of the heroes. It, 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 you know, maybe you could use Ric Flair short term that way, but let's not get crazy. Uh, at, you know, and price is no object for Tony Khan. That, that's just my opinion. He, he's done a decent job with the legends. Yeah, he's also, I don't know, he's also throwing money away. I mean, if you will, like they have yet to turn a profit still. And then what are they, four years in, five years in? 
uh, coming up on five years, but you don't have to turn a profit if you're Tony Khan right now. When you own one of the major soccer uh, football teams over in England, you own the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, your dowry from your father was like $10 billion or whatever it is. They have an unlimited money source. But again, sooner or later, you have to make something back on the product, I would think. Money doesn't go forever, even if you're the cons. That's just my opinion. So that, that's a valid point. Be a, a huge tax write-off for this family as well, for the company. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, so then that that'll but anyways, uh of course the AEW women's championship, uh Hikuro Shida, the champion, uh and timeless Tony Storm. Tony Storm will be accompanied with Luther. Do you see a new women's champion being crowned? I think Hikaru Shida has been a, a tremendous performer for the AEW brand in the women's division since the women since the beginning of the company, really. Uh, Shida's a tremendous grappler, obviously well qualified and versed in her tactics. Uh, I like her as a, as a grappler, but Tony Storm is the future, in my opinion. The AEW women's uh, division is for shits right now. They're not using it the right way, whether it be Athena and Ring of Honor. You know, my old buddy, uh, uh, Mercedes Martinez, a, a longtime veteran who's had a chance. You know, who knows when Thunder Rosa is going to come back uh, or, or, or Britt Baker. They're saying she's the, the one behind the mask, which would be a total shit storyline with the devil mask, if that's what it is. So, the, you know, Willow Nightingale is decent enough. You know, Chris Statlander, everybody's very high on her, but she's injury prone, a, a, a good grappler. The women's division is all over the place. To me, I put it on Tony Storm. Not only is she an excellent grappler, she's been screwed over a couple of times by AEW already. So there's too much flip-flopping with that title, and the women's division leaves a lot to be desired. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, either way, there's probably going to be more announced uh, this week. For I, I so believe we'll see. So we'll see, and uh, we'll update uh, everybody on the social medias. So we won't be back before then. But um, there's also uh, last week or this past week, WWE returned to Saudi Arabia for Crown Jewel. Did you watch this event? I did watch the event, Professor, and I did some reporting on it. Uh, I, I thought it was a solid show. Again, it's Saudi Arabia. So the WWE is not calling the, the, the card over there. The Saudi government is calling the shots over there. It's just that simple. And the way the WWE and the stars shill for that government and that way of life, which is not agreeable to our way of life, that's another story for another time. I won't get into the politics and all the money that's going on over there and what they try to do and how they are with women. And then you bring the they have to cover up. And I don't agree with it, but I'm, it's all about the money for the WWE. And who knows where Saudi Arabia will end up as far as money and shows moving forward but crown jewel was a solid card i'll give it a six out of ten you tell me the matchups well i'm going to start off with this because what what it opened up the show they opened up with the world champion seth rollins against drew mcintyre now here's my point Go for it three world championships this world championship title to me means nothing Roman Reigns is the universal champion. He's got the two belts. I don't know whether they melded it into one or not, but this is basically a third world championship in the company. To me, it has no value. It's for the middle card guys or the guys that are right below the top notch. It's either Roman Reigns to me or nobody. I'm an old school guy. 
all these multiple championships, three world champions, two different tag team champions, two women's tag team champions. What are we doing here with all this? Rollins is a great worker. He's carried that company for a while. McIntyre got screwed over. He's got a dull personality with a great body. He got screwed over during the pandemic. Okay, the pandemic, in my opinion, of when he won the title. He lost again. Where does he go from here? I don't know. But my whole thing is the bullshit of the three world championships. This title, in my opinion, just for the Guardian of Chaos, means nothing to me. It just does. Talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because I believe okay. it's true. I believe you're 100% true. Correct. Right. So, so many months back, it was uh, Roman is universal champion. And oh, shit, I'm drawing a blank as to who he, who did he defeat for the world title to unify them? I'm trying to remember here. Off, uh, I'm going crazy because it's been so long. So, either way, crazy. What's that? For being in love with you, <laughs> I'm crazy for trying and crazy for crying and crazy for WON Sports. I got a little carried away. That's all right. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. Um. So, good question. Uh, no, but Lester? like I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember who he defeated. So, uh. And to unify the belts, was it? Uh, da, 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 da. Here we go. Hang on, hang on. I should know. Uh, this. Give me, yeah, I should know this too. Roman Reigns. It was. Jesus Christ! I can't even find it here. All right, I don't remember here. I can't remember. I can't remember. Jeez, it wasn't Lesnar, but I could be wrong on that. What fans leave? Yeah, a I could be wrong too. Yeah, please, 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 because I'm drawing a blank, and uh, my brain, I'm getting a little old, so I can't necessarily remember things from shit I did yesterday. So, oh, Professor, when I got you by about 10 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, did Roman, I'm, I'm typing it into Google, just so but I don't. Research, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll update the IWC. Rollins retained. Obviously, Damian Priest came down to try to cash in the money in the bank. Okay. And who shows up? You're correct. It was feel it. It was Brock Lesnar. Okay, so you were we were right. Okay, so I, I had that in the back of my head. So, anyways, yes, that was some bullshit right there. Like, of course, the uh, the mass the uh, mass man comes out, attacks, uh, and um, and I just thought it was. Did he steal the case? He stole the case. He, if he I remember correctly, the, ran through the crowd. Yep. Damian who wanted to cash in and then jumped into the crowd. And let's remember something about Sami Zayn. Fortunate and, bl and blessed, I guess, to be there this year because he wasn't allowed into the country on previous crown jewels. So with all that yeah. politics, to my point of the Saudi government and the politics that are currently involved in the insanity of 2023, he wasn't even allowed into Saudi Arabia. This because is now, if I remember correctly, this is his second appearance, correct? Is this his second appearance? Good, good question. I believe it's his second, uh, but he wasn't yeah. allowed in last year because of his heritage and, and all his association with whatever's going on with Palestine and so on and so forth. I don't want to get into that because we're here for stress relief. We're but here that's, for professional wrestling, they, no politics. Yes. Correct. But yeah. but that is, those are the facts. So yeah, yeah that's absolutely. what happened in, in that match. He ran off into the crowd uh, and, and took it from Damian Priest. So we'll see where that moves going forward. It's kind of like Jay White right now having the championship belt and not giving it back to MJF. 
So, you know, still yep. are there. Well, back to the thing, the whole thing. Seth Rollins, this belt means absolutely nothing. And it's kind of a shame. They gave it to a guy. They first, a uh, few months back, they unified the damn titles. Then, boom. Oh, by the way, we're uh, creating another title. First off, the belt is ugly as fuck, if you ask me. It could be nice looking if that damn logo wasn't in the center. Okay. Am I wrong there? I, I, you're, you're not wrong. And, you know, all these e-drones, uh, you know, the fans of the WWE, it's just unbelievable. There's too many titles, too many champions, and it takes away the credibility. That's just my opinion. Now, a lot of fans won't, won't agree with me on that, but I'm giving it to you for someone who's been in the business for over three decades. I know what I'm talking about. Emotional investment, storytelling, ring psychology. That's just my point of view. And I couldn't agree with you more, Professor. Yeah, it's it's uh they didn't need to add that. They I mean they could have the whole two belts for each brand, it should not be two brands, it should be one brand. Champion bounces back and forth, each make two appearances a week. Is it gonna kill you to make two shows a week for ten minutes, maybe fifteen minutes, work a match for fifteen minutes? Two brands uh, have the one champion, like you said, and have them bounce back and forth. I mean, that's the I, I couldn't yes. agree more. Couldn't agree more. I'm going with that for each title. I mean, you know, then you got the United States title, and then the, the other shows got the Intercontinental title, which is supposed to be on the same level. Then there's the women, the two women's tag belts. Then there's the, it's too much, and so that makes it too many title matches over on the shows. And it's just like it's not just yes. over. Yeah, yeah. So that should be. I don't know. They're and I think that they do that for touring purposes for planning purposes for pay-per-view purposes because roman's not always going to be there okay so they needed a belt so say roman's not on a belt they they could throw seth in the in the main event sorry no that's okay professor speaking of that we'll bounce to the main event which was roman reigns returning to take on uh eli drake max dupree la Knight. yeah okay a good wrestler nice to see him get where he is at his age but to me, there is kind of an imitation, however you want to get over between the rock and stone cold. I get it. And, and Reigns did go over, and which was a very good match. Reigns retains the title. Interference from Uso. You know, Solo Sokoa tried to get involved. You know, they have the wise man Heyman there. But here's to my point. That was, if I'm not mistaken with my notes, you know I do my due diligence. That was Rain, Roman Reigns, only his 54th defense of the title he's been champ for what over well over three years now trying to break yeah. all the records. currently third or fourth or in, in the history of the wwe title runs he's only defended the belt 54 times in over three years i mean am i they, they compared it to hogan who defended it what 554 or whatever the number is that they threw out Backland. so you know they're really stretching this out. They want this guy to break the record. I, I get it. How is and he breaking a record? Hold on. How is he breaking a record when he can't even win a match on his own? Okay. I get that he's a heel. Don't give me that bullshit. I get that he's a heel. But that doesn't mean that every single title match that you were defending your damn belt that Solo and the other guy, the other Usos, to whoever, the Paul Heyman, don't need to get involved in every single match. 
not every single match. You should be able to win your match, at least, you know, matches on your own, especially if you're supposed to be the champion, because I think that devalues your quality as a champion. Not only do the three world championships devalue it, but let's just take a quick look. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Roman Reigns is currently at 1,160-something days as the world champion in the WWF, which I, if I, if I have my numbers correctly, that's he's coming up on beating Bruno's fourth reign. So in that over 1,100-something days, he's only defended the title 54 times. Bruno's first reign as champion 2,803 days Bob Backlund 2,135 days Hulk Hogan 1,474 days Bruno's second reign 1,237 days and now I believe Roman has passed Pedro Morales which had just over a thousand days so if my numbers are correct I might be a little off on the 1,160 plus but only 54 title defenses I mean it's just not the way it should be as a world champion. Also, when did they start measuring things by days? Okay. Well, new era. Back in this era, it, it, to make it sound like something larger than it actually is, you know, I feel like Hulk Hogan's first title defense, was, or first title reign was close to four years I think that's 1,474 days. I think that sounds more worthy or more uh, intense or better than measuring something out by days. It doesn't, it doesn't, it does nothing for me. That's what they're doing, I believe, Professor. To me, I think that instead of saying three or four years, they like saying the days because it's sounds longer in their opinion i mean that's just my yeah, it sounds larger is what they're they're trying to make everything sound and that's the industry today it sounds everything they want to sound larger and bigger and that's why they have the guy holding three belts and that's why they have all these titles and that's why you don't recognize and i was listening to you know brian solomon i was listening to his podcast recently and it's like they want everything to be recognized by the brand not necessarily the individual. When I was a kid, I was like, oh, I'm going to New Haven Coliseum. It's going to be Randy Savage against Andre the Giant. Now it's, I'm going to watch the WWE. There, it's everything is part of the brand. That's what they want. So that's, this is all inter, intertwined, like that they're just trying to make things uh, sound a certain way. Well, uh, I, I believe whether it be Stone Cold, The Rock, uh, John Cena, now currently Roman Reigns. You know how Hogan was as well. They don't really want to have too many guys that are bigger than the company or the brand. You are 100% dead balls on, Professor, when you sit there and say, I'm going to see the WWE or I'm going to see Raw and SmackDown or AEW instead of going to see Roman Reigns versus Gunther. To, 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 you know, back in the day we used to go see because you wanted to see the match you weren't going to see the wwf you were going to see bruno's going to be there uh, you know backland's going to be there or hogan's going to be on the show or stone cold's going to be on the show the, the rock the undertaker they don't want anybody to be bigger than the company that's that's right. just my personal opinion 
Absolutely. They don't. Well, you also notice that when somebody becomes larger than the actual company, that's when they start getting offers to make movies, etc. Guys like Cena, Hogan, um, name somebody Batista. else. I don't know. Batista. So that's also probably part of their plan that we can't make this guy. We can't push this guy to that level because then we can't market him. But now the, the, a lot of these guys intertwine themselves with those movie companies as well. Uh, WWE does. It's all about the money, my friend. And, and, and greed. You know, it's greed that, is what it is. Good point. Th th that's a great, great conversation that we just had. What I would love to talk about here on Crown Jewel is the pure star power, no matter what you want to say about this guy, who has shown up and proven every time he's stepping into the ring as an outsider and with over 10 million followers, Logan Paul winning the U.S. Dude. with brass knuckles. I get it. Over Ray oh. Mysterio. I Listen, mean, that, that's, a little old, that's a little old school. So star power. Tell me your thoughts on Logan Paul. When he first came in, now I might like these YouTubers and these young kids that are into all this social media. I find, you know, I got young kids. It's just, they're constantly on. They knew who this guy was. I had no freaking clue. I like, go oh, Logan Paul today. My, I was watching crown jewel and he heard Michael Cole say Logan Paul. And my son goes, Turn whips his head around Logan Paul's in WWE. <laughs> He's only eight years old, so it's a so you're getting that attention by using that name. It's a very popular YouTuber, probably one of the most famous YouTubers who just so happens to be a WWE fan. Ten million followers. <clears throat> it's unbelievable. Do you know in mainstream media, excuse me, I still have that cold. You know what it would do in mainstream media? Now I'm not advocating for this, but this is something I talked about. On Chaos Corner, you know what it would do in mainstream media if you ever had Logan Paul challenge Roman Reigns. The mainstream media attention that would go on there because of who Logan Paul is. Did that or did that not happen somewhere? Am I going crazy? Did, did well <clears> to <throat> be did it, did it happen in Saudi Arabia? I believe it did last year. I'm typing it in now. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. That definitely did happen. Yep. Okay. And that um, was a very solid match. Yes. Yep. 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 It is. I remember that. Yes. Okay. So I told you, I'm getting old. My brain. Um, Logan Paul. All these followers that this guy has, he's just pulling. Is he adding to the WWE brand? Are people from YouTube saying, "Hey, man, I'm going to watch it because Logan Paul's on"? I don't know. I I, I believe I believe he's putting asses in seats. Maybe okay. not so. As ticket sales, but he's putting eyes on the product because he is a mainstream guy. He's got his brother Jim Paul. He's visible. He's cocky. He has those ten million followers. I mean, I believe that he and he's performed as an athlete like no other that's ever stepped in from another sport into the business, except maybe Kurt Angle. Yes. So today I read that he probably has eight matches in his entire career. Logan Paul. You're correct. This guy has been putting on some of the best matches on the card since day one. Has anybody progressed that quickly since Kurt Angle? Kurt Angle had his first match. Rock at one point. Kurt Angle went in training in Memphis. They put him on a card that weekend after just a few days of training. Mind you, it 
didn't turn out fantastic. I read this in Kurt Angle's book. Uh, but that guy came in and he was immediately skyrocketed as one of the best heels in the business at that time period. Well, the business is a lot Logan. different. Kurt Angle with it, his it absolutely is. Logan Paul comes in and uses his athleticism. And again, even Ken Shamrock came in and adapted very well as far as crossover athletes. Well, he wrestled before he was an MMA star. He wrestled down south in um for in the Carolinas. He wrestled for um the fuck is the guy's name? Frank Dusick was involved. You know Frank Dusick. Um, we followed uh, each other. Yeah, yeah. I've had many great conversations with him as of late uh, regarding history. I've sent some uh, Dusick family history from our area over to him recently. So that I, that I came across. Um, so we're talking. Um, he wrestled for South Atlantic Pro, the Pro, the NAWA. Uh, back, this is a, a group that was kind of the. Um, that was started up that was trying to when WCW separated from NWA in that area, they lost a lot of TV down in the mid Atlantic. So this group tried to Vince Torelli, which was AKA Ken Shamrock wrestled for this group as a very young professional wrestler, as did Chris Chavez, which became Tatanka, yada, yada. It was reminiscent of the old. So he had some great years of professional wrestling before going to Japan and getting into uh, mixed martial arts. That is, that is a good point. So maybe he wouldn't be in that class of guys that came strictly or solely first from another sport. So right. to your point, with the exception of Kurt Angle, Logan Paul, especially current day, nobody has done it like him. And he's going to be guys that you won't see him weekly on Raw or SmackDown, but to bring him in for the big events, that the guy to me adds to the card. That's, that's just my opinion. And he's now the U.S. title. So let's see how they're going to use him moving forward. Now, do you think that since he's United States champion, they, they're going to use him more on television? Do you think he's going to make some well, more appearances? I, I think he's going to have to, unless he's going to drop that title quickly. It, yeah. it, you know, so I think they're going to have to use him more. So we'll see how he stands up to, to more regular competition. I think he could pull it off. He's pulled it off so far. We'll see what happens. And speaking of legends and people that put asses in seats, a guy who hasn't won a match since 2018, perhaps the last really run this company, John Cena losing to Solo Sokoa at Crown Jewel. How about that? He's become, say, and I don't want to, this does not mean an insult. He's become the, say, Pedro Morales of today's time period. You remember in the 80s, Pedro Morales? was doing jobs in 1986, 1987 to help the younger talent. That's exactly what John Cena is doing right now. And I got to tell you something. I respect him for it. I absolutely do. He knows his place in the business, and he knows that there's a really good crop of guys there. He's laying down for guys like that. He uh, helped elevate Solo Sokoa in this matchup. Oh, no two ways about it. Uh, listen, Sokoa is kind of like a, uh, a, a another version of, of Umaga. Uh, may yeah. he rest. And, you know, and he gave him all the different uh, sp Samoan spikes uh, back at Crown Jewel. And, and Cena, still in great shape. You know, you can't see me to salute what he does for, uh, uh, you know, to make a wish foundation. There isn't a better representative than John Cena. And the way they're using him right now, it's hard to believe we're in 2023 and he hasn't won a match since 2018. Yeah. Uh, 
He's doing it the right way. He's solidifying future stars. And that's what WWE does better than anybody, especially well over AEW, which is only five years in existence, is they continue, whether it be a Braun Breaker, whether it be bringing in right now a Logan Paul, they continue to make stars. And the legends like Cena or Undertaker coming back like he did a, a week's back on NXT for Braun Breaker, that's what it's all about. And, and the, given the rub, remember this, people talk about older guys and they're, they're bitter and they're this and that. you got to remember and recognize and identify the past. Respect where you came from. The carpenters learn, take their opinion, their advice, because you cannot get to where you are or even where you want to go without recommending and listening and honoring the past. Now, that doesn't mean stay stuck in the past. That's why the rear view mirror is this small and the windshield is this big. Remember where you came from, look in that windshield and hit the gas pedal. It's full speed ahead. But without that rear view mirror, you have nothing, Professor. Yes. And John Cena is here giving back to the industry. So bless him. Uh, so we've had. What's was that? Yeah, it definitely was. We've had Io Sky defeating Bianca Belair. Bianca's on that chase again for the women's championship. Um, yeah, tell me what you thought of this one. Well, first off, is there a better role model than Bianca Belair for the young girls that are fans of the WWE? Not yeah, only no, no. Did, yeah. she's positive, she's a good-looking girl, she's an unbelievable grappler, she does a lot of things for Make-A-Wish too, as far as I understand, and she's just a good wholesome role model in Bianca Belair. Now, I don't think they've used her the right way or booked her the right way. Uh, now, EO Sky being the women's champion, and now for the first time, the reason why she won is Kyrie Sane is back for the first time in three years in the WWF. So that's something that really put her over at Crown Jewel. They're flip-flopping the championships a lot as well, with the women's championships. Bianca had her run. Let's see what's going to happen with EO Sky now. It was a decent match. We'll see what happens with Kyrie Sane and EO Sky moving forward. Will Bianca stay in the heavy in the in the women's title division picture? I mean, she has to, but I think that was a big defeat, even though Sane interfered. What are your thoughts about Bianca and EO Sky? I thought it was a tremendous matchup. I thought I'm a fan of both women. I think, uh, like you said, that I don't think that Bianca's gotten her fair chance. You know, they gave her the title that first time. They gave, they brought, it, took it away from her, then they gave it back to her. She held it for a year. I mean, she is a tremendous, tremendous performer. She really is. Io Sky, I think, is another tremendous performer. I'm glad Absolutely. to see that she's getting her due after being with the company for a number of years through the NXT brand, and then finally, I think she made her. Was it her main roster debut last year at last year's WrestleMania? Not this past year. Yeah. I believe it was. Yeah. So, I mean, she's been a tremendous performer. No, I, I apologize. A lot. Listen, whether it's AEW or the WWE, a lot of the Japanese stars that have come over here have really proven themselves and adapted to the North American style. And, and you know, there's a lot to be said for uh, the Japanese stars in, in both companies, whether it be Takeshka and AEW or, or whether it be, you know, uh, EO Sky and Kyrie Sane. I mean, it, there's a, I can go on and on about the Japanese stars and their effect uh, on the North American wrestling style. Absolutely. And it, it's a different, it's a different animal over there. There's the style of professional wrestling over there. 
So, and it's a tremendous, tremendous style as well. So, um, let's see what else we have. Uh, Cody Rhodes, right? Cody, that's where I was going. Cody Rhodes defeated Damian <laughs> Priest. Um, I didn't really think much about this match, honestly, to be honest. I think Damian Priest, when's he going to cash in that? Uh, we saw his failure to cash in. Do you think he's going to cash in and win it? Or do you think he's going to take the dive? He's definitely not going to cash in and win it, in my opinion. I don't okay. believe Damian Priest, although he's been a breakout star in 2023, uh, you know, with the help of Rhea Ripley and, and, and Dirty Dom and, and Finn Balor. He can be on his own. He can stand alone. I do not think right now at this point in his career, he's championship material. And as far as Cody Rhodes, uh, he, he's been sidetracked and he's been kicked off to the curb. Will he win at WrestleMania 40? Will they deliver in the end? Will he be the one to beat Roman Reigns and end this title? A lot of people seem to think that. I don't know where I stand yet with Cody Rhodes, to be quite honest with you. I know that's the obvious storyline. People are going to say, Chaos, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. I'm just telling you, Cody's been sidetracked. He's lost momentum in what they're trying to do with his storyline. I believe it's been for six months now he's lost it, since he's come back from well, yeah. injury. Since he's come back, he's completely lost traction. I mean, it's he's he has not done anything interesting. Every promo he cuts, he comes out and talks about his father and yada yada, putting that over and he, he wants to that, hey. <laughs> you know, I mean, he wants he wants to make sure we know he's Dusty Rose kid. I mean, you know, and that he's grew up poor. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, I'm so tired of hearing this. Oh, to keep from hiding. <laughs> Whatever it is the midnight rider. Listen, I had a chance. There you go. There you go. We got about uh, Dusty Rhodes. I had a chance to pick his brain and talk to him. I tried to get booked down and turnbuckle when he was running down there. I'll never forget the conversations and the shows and events that I worked with Dusty Rhodes. So this for me, although they're not using it the right way, hopefully to get the momentum back. I don't, I don't know, even if he was to win the title in my heart of hearts, if it would mean mean more than what Dusty Rhodes accomplished. That's just a personal, you know, I'm, I'm a little biased on that one. I'm just going to be honest with you that there's more money in the chase as it's become known. Our so. times, baby. our times. There, and there was nobody better at the chase than Dusty Rhodes. 100%. Just going to let you know, we got about 20 to 25 minutes left of this broadcast before we end up having to wrap it up. So just going to let you know, we got a lot more to try to Talk full of information here on WON. Yeah, and and you know, anytime that you and I get together, we could probably do three, four episodes in the same session. So, yeah. yeah. Right. How crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we had that match. Like I said, it wasn't interesting. Uh, Damian Priest, do I think he could personally become a WWE champion? I do. Well, They're gonna make it. Titles. Yeah, of course. They could. There's three world titles, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, well, they could. They could I mean, they could. I mean, they could put it on Barry Horowitz tomorrow and still wouldn't mean much. You know what hey, I mean? No offense I'll to Barry. It. No offense. But yeah, me too. Me too. Great guy. It's See, just that Barry Horowitz takes no shit from anybody. Stand up bro, guy. You saw him. Okay. Before we go continue, though, I know we only got like a bunch, a little bit of time left, but then we got some more stuff to cover. You saw his speech at the Hall of Fame this year? Yes. He was pissed off that he had to sit there all night because he was, yeah. he's like, it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm normally in bed at 9 o'clock, and I got to wake up and do this tomorrow. <laughs> so yeah. He, uh, he had to me up. dying. 
being able to hang out with Barry at FanFest 8 and the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame uh, was an honor because he's he, he's a great guy. So to get a chance to finally be able to talk to him and meet him after seeing him for years, people consider him a, a jobber. But let me tell you something. Barry Horowitz was one of the best in the WWF. He was I'm going to tell you that he was one of the best technical wrestlers you will ever see. You can ask Roma. Watch those matches that they had. I saw them in the New Haven Coliseum on a house show against each other. I mean, Roma was a great performer as well. If I'm not mistaken. Trained by Malenko, if I'm not mistaken. Boris Malenko, yes, yes. Actually, if you guys fans, I'm going to put out a show right here. One of the earliest episodes we've ever done. Uh, for PWZ is an interview with Barry Horowitz, so you can go check that interview out, and we'll you'll hear about him training, being friends with Tommy Rogers, Buzz Sawyer, all these guys, uh, being trained with Boris Malenko. I think I just said that, but yeah, some tremendous stories. It's a, a nice, it's a good hour long conversation. He told me he was only going to give me thirty. He liked me so much, he went an extra hour. It's because <clears throat> the previous phone conversation that I had with him be, to set that up. Because I mentioned the New Haven Coliseum, and then he went off. So, and he liked and he loved working in the New Haven Coliseum. He said, so. "To my point of what we said earlier on the show, it's about people getting to know who you are as a person, and if you have talent, those connections are priceless." I, I think that's all we have for Crown Jewel, except it. And again, we I didn't think talk the, about the we didn't talk the women's fatal five way match, but that Rhea was Ripley. literally. Nothing to it, to be honest with you. It but was Rhea Ripley to me is one of the best female grapplers in the world, and how she has broken out and how she has become a bigger star than anyone in the people that surround her. I'm a huge fan of Rhea Ripley and her work. Absolutely. I'm very uh she's very impressive. I've said that for a number of years, but this current thing she's on with uh Judgment Day and the role and Dom and She's been a tremendous performer, but this is just, it just seemed like they had the sake of having a match for a sake of having the women's world title match. Basically, that's it. Because it only went 11 minutes for crying out loud, you know? So it really wasn't much. The Saudi guys was longer than the match. I don't know what message that was sending with the 15 or 20 different men dressed up in the Saudi traditional gear for her to walk out. I mean, I was like, that was longer than the whole match. So uh, yeah, that's her a entrance was her entrance was insanely long. Yeah. Yeah. Valid so, point. Yeah. So um, what else do we got here? What else do you have here? Do you have some history you want to discuss or do you have other news? Yes. I, I do want to discuss a couple of things and, and then uh, I'll let you get out of here. Cause as you said, we can go on forever. Uh, I would love to briefly, and, and I'll bounce back to a touch on the Vladimir documentary and maybe even the upcoming Iron Claw documentary, but because it's a company that you support and that you follow, the NWA and what they did the last week or two it, 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 coming up on a deal with the CW network and then Billy Corgan Gorgon approves the smashing pumpkin of James Mitchell and a bunch of strippers and hookers doing a cocaine vignette 
At their latest pay-per-view, they must have their head up their asses with the history of this business, with the drug overdoses, with the drug problems and things that have happened in the world of professional wrestling from the, its inception to current day 2023. And you bring in James Mitchell and approve a storyline on pay-per-view where you have kids watching and families watching and you're sniffing lines uh, up in a bar with a bunch of hookers and strippers and you put that on TV. They may have blown everything that they've done. I want your opinion because I know you know guys in the NWA. You're friends with guys that do the NWA podcast. And what the heck were they thinking with that storyline? I'm going to tell you, I was... I was watching it. I watch every NWA show, weekly TV, uh, any special that they have. I've been an NWA fan since I was a kid. I've been a fan through every iteration they've had through the WCW years, the Jim Crockett years, the all the way up to NWA uh, Power. Yeah, all the way up to NWA Power, all the NWA TNA, all the little territories. And I know you worked for the NWA before as well with NWA New England, all those little territories when the NWA is basically on life support for many decades. I was a supporter of the National Wrestling Alliance because that is what I absolutely loved about professional wrestling. A lot of people say, hey, it's not the same NWA. It is the same territory system and the same organization, so to speak. But they, the people don't understand it was a territory system, not a promotion, not just one single outlet. People. So anyways... I've been a supporter of the National Wrestling Alliance for three, four decades. Four decades that I've been going close to four decades. You know, I realized I discovered professional wrestling at eight years old. I just turned 48. That I've been a supporter of, of the National Wrestling Alliance or wrestling as a whole in, for 40 years. So, yeah, that was some bullshit, man. I'm going to tell you. I was so pissed off when I saw that. I uh, watched this pay-per-view. I was looking forward to it. Uh, let me let me take that back. I was not looking forward to it because they're coming in here with the name Salwin and everything. Oh, it's going to be our first hardcore pay per view. Oh, Jesus Christ! I said it's going to. They're going. I I don't. I'm not a hardcore fan. You have to change. Don't label it hardcore. Make something special. Remember Mick Foley back in the day. He or 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 Abdullah or Bruiser Brody. They would just go crazy, and there was no name for it. It's just a wild and crazy guy, and they went yeah. for brawl. Do that stuff type thing. So I hate this pre-planned stuff like that, making it harder. Colby Carino, Joe Alonzo had the match of the night. Mind you, was it Falls Count Anywhere or No Holds Barred? One of those. And it went all over the arena, but I do have to say there was some really great spots. It was a tremendous match. This building that they were in was beautiful, like little small, small arena, probably maybe 2,000 people it could hold. However, it was not exactly full if you, you know, you watch the NWA shows. When they shot over to the stage and they showed Father James Mitchell sitting there laughing with all these women, scandally clad women snorting cocaine, I was pretty upset with the pay-per-view at that time period. However, there were some things that delivered, and I looked at that and I said, what the fuck is going That's on here? That's I was so angry. I said, what is this? And like you said, there's been so many drug overdoses in the professional wrestling industry and drug addictions and guys that are recovering. We just had a couple months back, Brett Wayne Sawyer die, who had substance abuse, uh, you know, for many, many years. He was supposed to be on this show around that time period. And we had some technical difficulties the day that 
he had some technical difficulties the day of recording. We were pre-planning to get back to it that week. And then all of a sudden I saw online that he, he had passed. So this is a guy that suffered through substance abuse, drug and alcohol abuse as well. So it kind of hit hard a little bit on this end because I had been in communication with him quite frequently as of late, as of that time period, excuse me. So to see this guy just sitting out here doing drugs on TV, there's children that watch professional wrestling. Okay. I bring my kids to professional wrestling events. I'm not going to bring them to a show. If I brought my son to this, now my son is an NWA fan. He knows how much I love the NWA. And he and I sit there every Tuesday at 6.05 and watch the program. And he sits there and chants along and he loves watching hometown guy, Wrecking Bologurski, on the NWA. And, uh, you know, there's some other guys that he likes a whole lot. I wouldn't let my kid watch this damn show. That would have been it for me right there. And, and I know I you got grandkids. Yeah. I think that they may have blown the deal on CW and maybe they'll keep them on an app or something like that. But I wanted to ask this because I know of your involvement with NWA. Billy Corgan, he loves the business. He has a passion for the business, but that just goes to show you he doesn't know anything about the business. No self-awareness. I don't care what he was trying to do. If he put his stamp on this, Billy, you don't belong in the business with no self-awareness like this. And with all due respect, I tried to reach out to Billy Corgan in the past to work for NWA at the, and the, uh, in the bigger group at the end of my career. I've worked for several NWA territories. What I want to know from you, what are your friends, Jay Cal? And, and Gary Horn and guys that you know from the NWA, what were their responses? Are people just going to fluff this off and makes you not want to watch the product, especially with your kids? I know Jake Hell wasn't necessarily uh, pleased with this as well. He sounded like, what the, what the heck was going on type thing. And I haven't spoke to him fully about it. I know we talked about it on this podcast. But there's been talk about, has the CW deal been 100% confirmed by Billy or the NWA in any way, shape, or form? Because... It hasn't, to my knowledge, it has not been announced, but then there's all this news saying that they're on the top 20 network and it's going to be the CW. It was However, just, there's been no ink to, yeah. as of press time. It was just about right here on WON sports. It was about to be inked. And now yeah. because of that a few last week or whatever it was, it's been held up. They're probably, it's probably looks like going to fall through and they may just keep them on an app and they're going to lose their time slot. The time slot was going to be at 2 a.m. anyway, but it's still national Who TV. F- Doesn't matter. Billy, we're going to get in. We're going to get in. We're going to get into that just a second. We're going to get into that part just a second. Okay. All right. We're just going to get into that part in a second, but I want to know it's like from what I understand, they were going to put them on, like you said, 2 a.m. in the morning. Now there's the disagreement about this. Now they're not happy with the CW that they were. There's talks about them putting their two shows that they arranged, one being the wrestling show, one being a reality show, going to be on the app instead. Nothing has been 100% confirmed. It's all speculation and rumor at this present time. I would not be surprised if the deal fell through. Like you said, 100%. I would not be because... I have nothing for this professional wrestling. I believe, I believe just like you guys at paradise alley, you try to put on a family friendly professional wrestling show. I don't let my kids watch garbage that I don't think that is appropriate for them. Yeah, that, that really, really, really disappointed to me. So it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. And, and Billy screwed up 
hopefully they can recover from this. Uh, I don't like the way it's heading, but again, I wanted your thoughts on that because of your affiliation, your love for the NWA, my love for the NWA. Yes. Uh, you know, back to when it, when it was started in, in, in the, NWA was in its inception in the 40s and all the way through the 80s. And then what was brought up by Jim Crockett and then WCW and the NWA stayed how it was. And I worked for the territories. Even to NWA Power was a good, was a very good show when it was on YouTube and, and what they were doing. I, I really caught so on to it. For the first year and a half, two years, it was very good. Pandemic happened and boom. Billy had dropped the ball. Yeah. He dropped during the pandemic and with NWA power and changing it. They gained minimal momentum back with no coverage. And now you just may have blown the whole thing out of the water. Now the two o'clock, 2 a.m. time slot. is something I have a problem with. I don't think that that's... I remember growing... Well, I shouldn't say growing up because I was a later teens, probably 18, 19, 20... I would watch ECW at 2 o'clock in the morning on MSG Network here. But are people going to care enough to sit here and watch the NWA at 2 o'clock well, in the see, morning? They're not doing anything that's going to say, sorry to cut you off, they're not doing anything to say, man, I really got to stay up and watch this, or I really got to click the DVR. Well, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, you make a valid point about current product and whether you're going to stay up. Definitely not. But that's why you have DVR, so you could tape it and rewatch it. But as a kid in the 70s, we would stay up till midnight on WOR to watch the WWWF. After the it was worth show. watching. It was worth it, watching. But no, is NWA worth staying up to 2 o'clock in the morning, especially after this snafu? Even before that? No, but you can always DVR it and watch it. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a I'm tough I'm more entertained by watching WoW each and every Saturday. I'll just tell you that much. I think it's a better product. It's it's still pretty family-friendly. Not a yeah. bad product. Wow. I, I will say that. Uh, one yeah. thing before I, I let you go. Listen, I had everything down here from Ronda Rousey working the, the indies to the return of CM Punk, who knows where, to Impact going into TNA in 2024. We could talk about that another time, or maybe you could talk that with your, with your regular co-host. But what I would like to touch on before we get out of here, because it really hit home, and, and I watched it twice, and what a way to give back, why they held on to it for years, I don't know, but the Vladimir documentary was tremendous. And I want to hear as someone who's such a passionate fan as you are, tell me your thoughts on that Vladimir documentary, which I can't recommend enough. When I watch this, I mean, anybody that watched WWF in the 1980s into the nineties, you saw this guy sitting up front somewhere, usually in the front row or the first few rows or even on pay-per-views. You always wondered who the hell is this guy and why is he at every damn show, no matter where the hell they were in the country, it seemed. They're usually out of the Northeast from and, and for the for the big pay-per-views like WrestleMania. Yeah, he was at the, all the paper you travel for the pay-per-views and stuff. But you get to know Vladimir. And you know, over the years you'd hear stories about him through Mike Johnson, who became friends with him because they both lived in the city. This was a fantastic documentary. It really gets you inside. You get to know Vladimir a little bit. You get to know who he is, why he was there, all that kind of stuff. And all the stars interacted with him yeah. and back to him. You could 
feel the emotion and the passion coming through the documentary, kind of yeah. like I do my show or when you do your show. True fans that we are, whether you've been in the business or not in the business, whether you're a talent or what we do and what you do now. With Vlad, you could feel the emotion and the passion and just to see how the stars for once, and, and I hate to say it this way, gave it back to that man. I mean, it really hit home. I I almost watered up at one point because it, it, I identified with it so much.